Welcome to the Preacher Girl Podcast. My name is Diane Wright, and if you've made your way to this episode, congratulations are in order. On this episode of the Preacher Girl Podcast, I'll be sharing information to help you as you plan your wedding ceremony. You may also find this episode helpful if you are a celebrant or if someone has asked you to become ordained so you can be their wedding celebrant, also called a wedding officiant. So first of all, congratulations. There are so many things for an engaged couple to think about. This podcast will be focused on the ceremony itself and not on the reception, although the two processes are connected in important ways, and I'll talk about that too. There are many books, magazines, and online resources that can be helpful for you, including checklists, websites, and other information. In this podcast, I'll be highlighting the steps you can take to make sure this ceremony reflects the two of you and strengthens your connections with your community. I'm recording this in 2022, and I've been lucky enough to help over 80 couples as a celebrant over the last 14 years. The most important thing I've learned is this. There are many, many ways to get married, and that means every couple has the opportunity to consider the ceremony and how it reflects the two of them and their larger community. This podcast will be most helpful for couples who have some time before the wedding is taking place. If the two of you plan to get your license and then meet with a judge, or if you are planning to elope to a location that provides wedding services, such as the wedding chapels in Las Vegas or on a cruise ship, you may not need much of this information. For some of those locations, the process is standard and consistent from couple to couple. You and your families may be active members of a faith community, in which case the rabbi, the imam, or minister of that community may be the person who will help you by creating a ceremony that falls within the culture and traditions and expectations of that community. Or maybe you're just getting started with planning and you're not sure what you want to do. This podcast may be very helpful as you make those decisions. First, marriage is a legal process. In most jurisdictions, you will go to your local probate court office to get a marriage license. You usually have a specific window of time when you can do this. For example, in the state of Ohio, you are able to get the license no more than 60 days before the wedding will occur. In some states, The window of time is only 30 days. Take some time early on to reach out to your local probate court. You can usually find out the information by Googling the name of your county plus wedding license. When a couple is getting married in their home state, generally they get the license in the county where one or both of them lives. If they are coming from another state, Generally, they get the license in the county where the wedding will take place. Many couples are so focused on the planning of the reception or the planning of the honeymoon that they don't realize this legal process has to take place. Here are some things to keep in mind as you think about the ceremony itself. First, 
If you are active members of your faith community, check with the leaders of that faith community as you plan. For example, I've married several couples who are active in the Catholic Church, but they wanted to have their ceremonies in places like parks or gardens, and many priests will not perform marriages outside the church, literally outside the church. One of those couples was asked to be godparents for a child in the church, and they found out that they had to go through a second official wedding performed by the priest in order to be eligible to be godparents. Think about your own histories with your faith. Many couples I marry have no specific church they attend. Will it create stress and conflict in your families if you are not married within a certain faith tradition? Every couple needs a supportive community. Where is that community for you? Sometimes a couple will call me from the courthouse and ask if I'm available to marry them that afternoon. And in those cases, I work to be as supportive as I can. But I always ask, where is your community? Who will be supporting you as you take this new step? There are as many stories and situations as there are couples. Some couples, especially couples where one or both people have been separated from family because of trauma or different kinds of history, those couples may have become each other's main support. Some couples have large supportive families and big communities of friends, and the biggest challenge is figuring out how to keep the guest list small enough to afford a nice reception. Think for a minute. What is your vision of the ceremony? Who would you like to be there supporting you? For the people who are most dear to you, what would be important for them to see and hear? What would be important for the two of you? So, here are some initial decisions. What will the legal process mean for you? Where would you like to hold the ceremony? And what will that mean for the people attending? And who will preside over your ceremony? I mentioned the legal process before. In addition to making sure you know where and when you will need to get your license, you should consider whether this process has additional steps for you. You will want to review the requirements of the court, especially if either of you has been married before or if either one of you is not a legal citizen of the United States. Location, location, location. Where will you have your ceremony? For very traditional weddings, the ceremony takes place in a place of worship, and then the couple, the wedding party, and immediate family have pictures taken during the time in between the ceremony and the reception. The reception may be at a different location. Think about what this will mean for your guests. If you were coming from out of town to attend your wedding as a guest, what would the experience be like for you? Are there elderly guests who will need additional support? Are there guests with special needs? For example, is anyone deaf or hard of hearing? Is there a family with an autistic family member who may need additional support? Will young children be welcome at the wedding? These are all things you should be considering. 
it has become very common for the ceremony and reception to occur within the same venue. This has a lot of advantages in terms of convenience and efficiency and helping guests avoid having to navigate an unfamiliar city, but it may not be acceptable for many families who want the wedding itself to take place in a place of worship. If you are planning to hold your ceremony in an outdoor location, what will that experience be like for your guests? What would the backup plan be if the weather doesn't cooperate? If the ceremony will be in the middle of summer, for example, during the day, in a place with no shade, what will that mean for your guests? What will all of this mean in terms of expense? Will the two of you be paying for the wedding and reception? Or are you lucky enough to have families or other people helping to support you? A wedding can be incredibly beautiful without being extravagant or expensive. Make sure you are having open and honest conversations with each other and with anyone who will be helping to fund this experience. If you have started planning your wedding and you are online at all, by now you have started receiving a barrage of advertisements. This can be a fun part of the planning going to wedding expos, going to cake tastings, reviewing website after website. Just make sure you keep in mind, there are millions of vendors who are hard at work trying to convince you to use their service. Many years ago, I helped a couple with a wedding in a beautiful park setting. We were concluding the rehearsal the evening before the ceremony, and when I asked if anyone had any questions, the bride said, but what about the horse and carriage? She had been to a wedding expo and had signed up for a horse and carriage. She had the impression that everyone did this. This particular venue really didn't have a good place for the horse and carriage to be part of the flow of the ceremony. We figured out a way to include it in the ceremony, but I felt so bad for her. She had spent a lot of money on something that couldn't be highlighted in the way she might have wanted. Be careful as you look around. It's easy to start to feel like you have to have this or that. Make sure you are making decisions to stay on budget and to stay focused on the true meaning of the event. There are no wedding police. No one is going to come and check and make sure flowers were attached to the end of each chair aisle or rose petals were dropped in all the right places. And finally, who will preside over your ceremony? I mentioned before, if you are active in a religious community, I encourage you to begin with a discussion with the leader of that community. For many couples, this has many advantages. That person knows you and will be able to create a ceremony that falls within the requirements and expectations of your faith tradition. If you're not active members of a faith community, then consider your vision of the ceremony. There are many options for you. Some wedding venues have preferred vendors, and they can give you a list of people who have presided over weddings at that venue. 
If you decide to ask a friend or a family member to become ordained online so they can preside over your wedding, this can be a beautiful option. But make sure they are comfortable with the steps they will need to take. You may want to share this podcast with them so they can consider the steps they need to take to be ordained, to register with the state if that's required, and to complete the legal paperwork for you. They may also need help considering all the elements of the ceremony, the logistics of a rehearsal, and the traditional order of events. If you are not using a wedding planner, or if the venue doesn't have someone designated for this role, the person presiding over your ceremony will end up needing to play that role unless you designate another person to do it. When I work with couples who don't have a wedding planner connected to the planning process, I ask them, is there someone in your family who's good at keeping people in line and helping them know what to do? And it's amazing to me, almost always, within 10 seconds, they name someone. Who would that person be for you? I bet they would love to help you. So many things to consider as you plan your ceremony. But the main thing to remember is that the focus should be on the two of you and the vows you will be taking. Take a breath. Don't be afraid to reach out to the people in your community to ask questions and get support. I hope these episodes will be helpful for you as you go through this very special, very important process. Thanks for listening to the Preacher Girl podcast. This is Diane Wright, and I hope you'll join me for future episodes as we explore the planning process in more detail. Until then, congratulations and happy planning.